thanks. It's now it's a privilege being here. Yeah, thank you so much. So tell us more about like what went into the thought process of like you starting the book process mm-hmm. and putting your experience into a hard copy book and how that may have like shifted the way you perceive your role in what you do and mm-hmm. how you want to help people make better financial decisions in that sense. Thanks for that. So I've been a financial planner for 30 years and um, in the process, I say in the book that two of the greatest days in a man's life were the day that you were born and the day that you realize why you were born, Mark Twain. Mm-hmm. So when I, re- I started, I started initially in the financial services industry like everybody does in a career to earn money. Yeah. And then I started, I learned from people I was blessed enough in life to be, to be introduced to certain people who were my coaches and mentors. And that shaped the way I was, I, I, I thought about money and about finances and about success. Mm-hmm. And in the process of meeting clients, telling my clients the stories and explaining the financial concepts in the way that I do and I do in the book, people started planting a seed inside me and saying, but do you know all of this stuff? Why don't you write a book? Yeah. And by the time the third or the fourth person said it to me, the, I think the seed was firmly planted mm-hmm. somewhere in my soul and then I discussed it with my wife and oft, and I went a, a few months later I went away for for a few days to the mountains and I just started writing and Sounds um, like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then I came back got busy with life I didn't do anything for another year mm-hmm. and then my wife said to me hmm, when's that book coming ah. so the following year my PA booked me one weekend a month that I'd go sit somewhere. Okay. So I normally go sometimes just in the city, I'd book into a, a lodge or somewhere and just sit and write for the whole weekend. And then after I'd done that for a year, we we then typed it into an initial manuscript. Yeah. And then I eventually got introduced to Joshua Lasek in America. He helped me to, to reformat the book. Okay. And we got to publishing. And so the whole process from beginning to end took five years. What... The driving force behind the book, well, the book is partly my story, but and it's part and it's a big part of it is something that I call financial context. Mm-hmm. So financial context is what is the my whole thought process behind money. What and I realized that everybody has this muscle money muscle within them. Yeah. So this financial context is the way you think and behave about money. It influences everything in life. For it influences sure. your relationships. It influences. The, the success that you achieve, the financial success that you achieve, if money stresses you out or not, um, if whether you have a scarcity or an abundance mentality, all of those things are influenced by your financial context. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized this in my early years as a financial planner by looking at certain clients that if I had two people and they were, for example, both dentists and they came from a similar background, had got the same qualification mm-hmm. and I looked at those individuals maybe 10, 15, 20 years down the road once they'd started their careers and I yeah. saw that there was such a variation in financial out- outcomes ah. and it wasn't linked to ability because my initial thought about money and the way we grew up is you think, okay, you've got to go to school, you've got to go to varsity, you've got to get a good job and then you set. Yeah. So you think that the ability, the, the ability to make money equates to how much money you keep. And then I, that's when I started thinking, seeing, but this isn't happening. Yeah. The way I thought it was supposed to happen wasn't happening with individuals. And I did a lot of research and reading, and especially, and then I, I, I zoned in on this thing called financial 
financial context. And, that, and I realized that your financial context is not part of your learned brain. So it's not something you learn at school or yeah. university or college. It's something that is in your, in your emotions. It's linked to your emotional intelligence. That's very true. And it's, uh, Robert Kiyosaki calls it your financial intelligence. So this financial intelligence, you have to see where it comes from, and we'll go through it in more detail. But I, I packed the book around that, mm-hmm. and um, I then wrote, I incorporated in the book some of my client's stories, my story, my partner's story, which which gave even like greater context to how yeah. you help them out with their journey. Yeah, and it's a holistic, it's a holistic journey. So it's a journey of of a little bit of my life, my story, mm-hmm. when I was growing up. And, and a lot of other people's stories because I want people I want readers to realize that everybody's financial context comes from a certain background it's that's shaped true. by your story yeah so that's why we we have, we have the whole analogy in the book of using or storytelling using people's stories to to explain financial concepts and I also want to explain them in a way that they're very understandable to the average person yeah where where the book has taken me since it's published is that there's this i don't know if it happens i think it happens to everybody mm-hmm. but as you get older um and you go to the second part of your life if you say roughly say you're 40 50 is the first half and the next 40 50 if you're blessed enough to live that long yeah is the second half that most of us when we reach our second half we start thinking about things like a legacy because you get faced with your own mortality, you realize Very you can't true, live yeah. forever. When you're young, you, you're gung-ho and you've got lots of energy and you're yeah. indestructible and you're fearless. And then when you get a bit older, you, you, you mellow down a little bit and then you start thinking about a legacy, and especially when you have children, to think about what they're going to do with their lives. And the way I think now about the book is that, and I, and I look back on my life, it's destined, it definitely, I feel like it's destiny. Mm-hmm. So the, the things that happened to me in life, the people I was introduced to, my journey as a financial planner, the people planting the seed, all of that is the com- culminates in the book. Yeah, it's like it's like it's and it really it feels like like destiny. So it's why the destination wealth. It's it's a, it's it's. I feel that it was my destiny to get to this position to tell the story. And where I am now is I feel very strongly about leaving a legacy. About and I feel very strongly about the things that we teach and that I teach in the book mm-hmm. and we want that we teach our clients in the business is that especially for South Africa in South Africa we have this massive disparity in 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 opportunities and in wealth sure. and therefore those of us who are privileged and blessed enough to be in a position where we can get where we can get a good education where we can get great careers mm-hmm. We have this responsibility, the social responsibility to improve ourselves. Because if we don't succeed, if we mess up on our finances, it impacts those around us and the next generation. Mm -hmm. So the way we're going to build up this country is not through relying on government or somebody else to do it. It's through each and every one of us taking hold of our financial circumstances using the things that I talk about in the book and they, it's not rocket science, it's not new concepts, yeah. it's just repacking existing concepts concepts to make them understandable. To so that so that those who are successful become more successful because through that we're gonna pick up people around us and we're gonna uplift the nation. I think the not necessarily irony, but the coincidence around like what you've just said is that I find myself in 
a particular position or point in my life right now where the people that I'm surrounded by are sort of like starting to reflect ideals where um, we have to be self-empowered in order to make differences within our communities. And that has a lot to do with like people maybe taking like entrepreneurial pursuits instead of just necessarily doing what's always been done traditionally. Correct. And for some people that may be a daunting task, for instance, um, when you talk about the financial context, uh, the first thing that you said is like start with a vision. And I think for a lot of people that has a lot to do with the struggle of like seeing yourself outside of your current context. Mm. And that often can limit your perceived value at a later point in time Correct. in your life. Yeah. So could you say more about like how you it help reminds, It reminds me a little bit of what you're saying now is what happens with, with, with ele- elephants in captivity. Okay. So what happens with elephants in captivity is that initially when they when they when they're young and they they got a lot of energy or they're taken captive they fight against their chains in the and and they want to try and get away okay after a, a certain period of time they they learn this help they learn helplessness mm. so they realize they can never escape because this chain's not going to break and the and where it's anchored to is not going to break so they stop trying mm-hmm. so eventually if you see circus elephants or elephants in captivity they they've got the chain around their neck yeah. and the rope and often it's like a, it's tied around a little twig and there's this powerful huge creature that can break that and walk away and do a lot of destruction but it thinks it can't and therefore it doesn't it's almost metaphorical in a metaphorical way. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and financial context is the same way so if you have a, a small financial context then or limiting financial context it's like that elephant's rope it's it, it can be changed and mm-hmm. the way that it can be changed you can break that is through this vision so through starting yeah, with yeah, the end yeah. in mind having a plan a vision of where your life should be taken but most people's circumstances unfortunately and also the people that are in their life so you know there's these sayings that we have in life um about money so i'll give you one and i'm sure you're going to be able to complete it money is the root of <sighs> evil all evil yes. yeah so so if you have this thought because your 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 grandmother or your aunt or your uncle or school teacher or friend said to you that money is bad or or you can't get money or you're never going to succeed yeah. or you're never going to be wealthy, that becomes a self fulfilling prophecy That's and that true. limits your context. So that, so the vision is critically important because the vision establishes how big the context can grow. That's Another example of that is that if you if you went when we went to school or college or university. You didn't go and start with you, you knew that you wanted to get your degree or your mm-hmm. or your matric certificate at the end of the day so you knew you what you needed that qualification there was a path to get to reach that yeah but if you went to school and you said i'm just going to school to go to school and this year i'm going to take this course and that year i'm going to take that course and you do mix and match there's in all likelihood you're never going to achieve your you're never going to reach the end goal and you're not going to get your qualification That's very true. And finances and money and success is the same. So ironically in life, we all start this formal process where we go to school, we go to university, and then we carry on with life. And then there's no end goal anymore apart from, apart from us, I must live from paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, which is, which is like, it's, it's a struggle that comes with the inability to see sort of like the end goal, like what you said. I, it's one of the things that you mentioned of like starting with the end in mind. Mm. And I think as young professionals, in some instances, people have gotten to a point where 
the end in mind is not necessarily reflective in the decisions that they make at mm. that particular point in time. Absolutely. Which leads me to the second point that you mentioned is like taking stock, whether it's like looking at your lifestyle mm. expenses, um, maybe living in an apartment that's sort of like above your budget, but because, I don't know, it's a perceived notion that this is the lifestyle that you're supposed to be living based on your mm. financial capabilities. But that also limits your ability not only to save money, mm. but to grow your money as well. Yep. So people make, I don't know, tough financial decisions based off of like what they see around them, whether it's like paying off a car that's like worth 8,000 a month mm-hmm. when you don't necessarily even need that when you could be paying like three to 4,000 a month. Sure, yeah. So now you're putting yourself in a predicament where you are living paycheck to paycheck because of those short-term financial decisions and not necessarily taking stock of what could you cut out but ha- sort of like maintain the same lifestyle that you've always wanted to Correct. maintain. That's very true. And I think it's, it's very important to mention at this point that everybody's, there's no right or wrong financial yeah. context. Which is very true. And we have to be very careful in lives that we live the life that is true to who we are mm-hmm. and not the life that society expects us to be. Yeah. So by living the life of, in in the book I also refer to something as perfect alignment Mm -hmm. so I say that we all have a destiny I believe we all have a destiny it's Simon Sinek's your why your purpose so you have a why that's the reason that you put on earth in the first place that's your passion and everybody was was created with one single passion and you have to find that passion where that's our challenge in life but then your financial context and your lifestyle have to align with your passion I'll give you an example of this so if somebody who does charity work amongst the poorest of the poor mm-hmm. AIDS orphans um, is that that is their passion in life to help these children and spend time with them but that career or that passion isn't necessarily a high-paying job it's a life Very of true. giving and of charity yeah so that lifestyle doesn't al- align with living like a rock star so if that person wanted to live like a, like a rock star, we have massive misalignment because the lifestyle that they that they aspire to, and their why and their financial context doesn't doesn't align. So everybody has to determine what's good for you. Yeah. If society expects that because you are a doctor, you need to drive X car, um, and your lifestyle or your vision or what makes you happy isn't that car that's when people get into financial traps that's very and true. the biggest problems of that is society tends to, we must be careful that society and the media doesn't dictate to us because if you open if you go on online watch tv read a, a book or magazine yeah. it almost dictates a certain lifestyle and you feel that and you led to feel and but that's part that's that's part of marketing you led yeah. to feel that if you don't have that cell phone if you don't have that watch if you don't have that car then you then there's something wrong with you you're not achieving and that's definitely the not the story of the book the story of the book is to let everybody understand their financial context and live a life accordingly Mm -hmm. and there's and that there's no right or wrong i actually have examples in the an example in the book of uh, one of my clients long-standing clients i'm going to tell you it's a lovely story is that this lady was my older brother my older so i'm i'm in my mid 50s my older brother's two years older than Mm -hmm. me it was his math teacher when he was at school she was a very young math teacher when i was in in high school math also wasn't my forte (laughs) (laughs) which is fair trust me i can relate so she was my extra math teacher yeah 
and that's helped me to get to a lot to where I am today. Mm-hmm. I then met her through, she was going to the same church that we go to. Okay. Again, and we served on the leadership committee at the church, at the executive, and she eventually became a client of mine. And long story short, she was both of my sons, Jordan, who's now 25, he's just, he's graduated, he's got yeah. his one become honors, and my youngest son, she was there. I got her into to give them extra maths lessons in their final two That's years. That's like a generation. It's a whole thing. generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the great story behind this lady is that she was a school teacher her whole life long. Mm. From she's retired now. She's seventy. She's retired now. She was a school teacher, maths teacher, and an extra maths teacher. That's all she did her whole yeah. life. Her husband was a panel beater. Okay. But they had a home. They got two daughters. And they brought, took both daughters through university. One's a medical doctor in Cape Town and the other one's a chartered accountant. So it's a perfect example. But their lifestyle was humble. They didn't want for anything. Yeah. But they have a humble lifestyle. Today their home is paid and they've got enough money to retire. So, so what, yeah. why I bring that story into the book is just to, uh, for everybody to understand that each person's financial context is unique to them. Don't go for a financial context that's not yours. So yes, people that are very, very average, um, but they're living their, their passions, their why. Yeah. They lived they lived within their means their entire life. They put two daughters to university, they got no debt and they got enough money to retire. So it's not like you have to be this this huge success story yeah. in terms of what the world thinks to own businesses and, and fly around the world to achieve a great life. So you, everybody can achieve a great life within their means. Yeah, and I think that's something that people need to be aware of when it comes to making better financial decisions or maybe even changing the context in which they operate. Um, in that sense, that's based off of like people making certain changes within themselves because I'm sure you've had clients or people come to you with either dire, uh, dire financial background or people who are um, in a better position to make that decision mm-hmm. just based off like their financial knowledge or their understanding based off like the people that they're around and so that may differ from i don't know from a young professional standpoint in a sense that i think we're in a interesting time based off of like what may have been deemed as success maybe like 20 years ago has sort of like shifted based on the capital that you need to have available to you to make certain decisions but that's not necessarily limiting if you don't see it as sort of like an impediment that stops you from fulfilling whatever your passion is or, or being able to mm. expand your means beyond your mm. current context in that yes. sense. And I think that's a great example of that because, um, for instance, I was, in a, <laughs> I was in a political science class in university and I remember like one of the professors was like, as soon as you guys graduate, you guys should be okay with making like like $30,000 a year. And it's just like, the first thing that came to my mind, I was like, that's probably what like some people pay for like fees per year. And I should be okay with like making that my first year out of varsity. Mm-hmm. So it, it led me to the question of like, why am I limiting my potential earning power based off of like, not just the opinions of somebody else, but the context is that we're in a small school, in a small city, but not necessarily being told about like the opportunities mm. that may lead to us making more money outside mm. of that context. Right. So I mean, we're like sitting in the class and we're all like looking around at each other and it was like that reality almost like set in from the standpoint mm. of 
that is the goal I've been told I can attain, but it's not necessarily the only answer or the only track or path that I can follow. Mm -hmm. So the one thing that made it interesting was like once we start like our own individual job searches, so like looking at cities in like um, Los Angeles, San Diego, maybe Mm -hmm. even New York or Seattle, and it was a matter of like understanding that, okay, once we do move to to a bigger city, rent is probably going to be more expensive. Our commutes may or may not be taken care of dependent on the company that you work for. Mm-hmm. But then you have like medical expenses that you also need to probably take care of. That could be easily deducted from your monthly salary or unless you have to outsource that yourself as a mm-hmm. professional. And sort of like small lifestyle choices that accumulates over time. So how much you spend when you go out, how much you're spending when you're shopping, how much you're spending on, um, or like how often you go on vacation. That impacts yeah. your ability to sort of like see how much you keep after you've like paid your mm. your taxes or sort of like the expenses that you have. But it also may change how you view your ability to change your circumstances at, a, at any given point in time. For instance, I was in a professional setting where you come in, they take care of your medical, um, they take care of like your sick days, they take care of like your dental, all that kind of stuff. And they put you in touch with sort of, um, it's a financial company, well, it's called Vanguard. Oh, and yeah, they basically give you the options like, this is the index fund that you could possibly put your retirement fund in. These are some unit trust that um, you have available to you or at your disposal. Or these are your options in order to sort of like maximize your money. And not too many people gravitated towards that just based off like maybe their lack of knowledge of what your money working for you looks like. So could you say more about like how you've interacted with like people who don't necessarily have the full picture of what that looks like, but how you provide a framework of like, these are the circumstances that you've presented and mm-hmm. this is how I can assist you to making better decisions. Thanks for that, Putumele. Yes, certainly the the way to to look at each person's case is that every like I said just now everybody's case is unique to mm-hmm. them but each and every one of us has a certain timeline to, to achieve yeah. success whatever our financial context dictates success is so we have this timeline in which to do it it's almost it's a shelf life mm-hmm. so regardless of your of well, your, your qualifications, your your ability, your personality, all of those things is what we call your human capital. Mm-hmm. And that gives you an ability to earn money. So this human capital is generating an income. Now, regardless, so, so each, coming back to your, your university professor example, yeah, he was telling you what success was in his eyes. Yeah, Because it was sure. according to his context. Mm-hmm. But each person has the right and is empowered but unfortunately, not everybody realizes it, and that's one thing I want people to realize, to, to, to define their own ceiling. Yeah. That the ceiling is not defined by others. So once you define the ceiling, then you could realize that there's certain realities within that ceiling. The reality, number one, is that you've got this human capital, which is your biggest asset. Mm-hmm. And this human capital is not going to last forever. We all, regardless of how tough we think we are, we're going to get to the point where we, we no longer want to or we no longer are wanted in the workplace. Can I give me some quick context when it comes yes. to something? Like mm. a quick example is that one thing that you do realize once you graduate is that, and it's something a professor mentioned that 
you be, you're more valuable as a student going into the workforce compared to like a skilled professional trying to move from one spot to another. You are. Because it's like people want to take the time and investment to sort of like mold you into the ideal employee or person who may be uh, of value within, within their given context. Mm-hmm. So once you try to move as a skilled professional, it becomes slightly more difficult unless if you have the network or the resources to help you make that move Correct. as well. And on top of that, from a financial perspective, what is happening in the background is that when you, if you, if you have a working career, a career of forty years, for argument's sake, okay, then in year one, your risk is the greatest because you still really? got, you still, you still got your human capital has got to provide yeah. for the end goal of forty years. So most of your value is still with inside you. Mm-hmm. But over time, if you do things right, the challenge is that we've got to, you've got to take from this human capital, you have an income. And that income, you spend most. We spend most of it as people in the river. Mm-hmm. So we spend it on our apartments, our cars, medical expenses, yeah. our, the fashion that we wear, holidays, etc. And then whatever we put aside and we save with that, we we term it in, into people putting that money into the dam. Yeah. That's so those resources go into the dam because ultimately, at the end of this forty-year working lifetime. This dam's got to be strong enough to pay for your lifestyle because your human capital's energy is depleted. Mm-hmm. So your human capital can no longer provide for you. So if you cannot, if this dam's not strong enough to provide for you when it comes to that end goal, then you're reliant on somebody else. That's very true. And that's the problem with the world. So not so because people aren't empowering themselves to take care, to take hold of their finances and build their dams, they're spending all the money in the river. So what happens is you you, you start on $30,000 or, or yeah. whatever your income is in rands and you build this up. But every time you in, you get a new position where your, in, your salary goes up, your yeah. income increases, what do we seem to, tend to do? Then we, the lifestyle goes up with it. Yeah, it so New car, more. new house, better holidays, yeah. nicer clothes, cell phones. <laughs> so, so all of this yeah. happens. and. And we just spend, we earn and spend. Now, it's like in the book I say, it's like a hamster on a treadmill. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's the most person's go-to place on financial planning. People think financial planning is or success, rather than say success than financial planning. People think that success is defined as how much you can earn. But success is not defined by how much money you can earn. Mm-hmm. The first, the success is defined, financial success is defined by how much money you get to keep. And to do that, You've got to limit the river. You've got to not spend all the money on lifestyle. You've got to put money into the dam, into the dam, mm-hmm. because at, the sooner this dam gets to the point of overflowing and paying your lifestyle, that's a great lifestyle. Then you can have an awesome lifestyle. But yeah. living a great lifestyle on your human capital is like borrowing from the future. Yes, <laughs> because you because you don't have the money, but you're living this used lifestyle. Rather keep the lifestyles small in yeah. the beginning, put as much money into wealth creation and then earlier on in life this wealth pot can get to a point of overflowing. Then you no longer have working because you have to work, you work because you want to work and you can follow your passion mm-hmm. and you can then you can live a great lifestyle. That's very true. But so, living but living a great lifestyle out of your earned income is self-limiting because this earned income not going to go. Sure. Two things: the the earned in the human capital is not going to last forever, mm-hmm. and circumstances change. I mean, we can see that with COVID, and and just history, like Tyrone was mentioning the the example the other day about um, 
people climbed to had Mr. Video Stores. So he thought his wealth was locked up into in those in those businesses. He kept on buying these Mr. Video outlets. Yeah. And eventually had like four or five of them. And that was his his wealth was locked up in inside of that. And what happened? And along came Netflix. No more Mr. Video. Yeah. So what everything that he put into it had gone. So mm. so we think that our human capital in the current circumstances are gonna last forever. And we trust that they do, but you have to constantly reinvent itself, which is another whole That's conversation. And, and, but at the same time, for every cent, for every rand, for every dollar that you earn, you have this responsibility to, to budget with that dollar and say, this amount's going for my dam and that amount's going for the river. But we, uh, the converse tends to happen with most people who think, okay, tomorrow I'm going to start. And then, and yeah, then so we're living this lifestyle now. But I said, I've said this to my sons. Um, I said, if, and I, I, I said to my son one day, I said to him, if you suck with 10 rand, you're going to suck with 100 rand. If you suck with 100, you're going to suck with 100,000. You're going to suck, suck with 100 million. It's, it's not about I'm going to be good with money when I earn enough it money. It doesn't work yeah, like that. Yeah, it doesn't work like yeah. that. You, it's like saying, I'm going to sit on the couch and eat um, McDonald's. For the next 15 years and then i'm going to start exercising <laughs> <laughs> yeah it doesn't work you're going to be a slob yeah. so, so money works exactly the same way it's about getting the habits right from the get-go yeah so one thing i would like you to go into um sort of like detail about is like when you talk about investing in your success just based off of like what you may see from young professionals or clients that you've had in the past when it comes to Sort of like, what are the options? And this is like a pertinent question that I sort of like kept on reiterating to myself, like on our way here. It's mm. almost like, what are the tools that we have at our disposal to make um, better, not, not only better um, lifestyle financial decisions, but when it comes to simple options to grow your money, simple options to um, possibly put money aside for not just an emergency fund and not just for a potential sort of like big purchase but what should people be taking sort of like stock or context of when it comes to i want to save money for maybe buying a house or i want to save money for my kids to go to school or i need to make better financial decisions to sort of like sustain me so that by the time i retire it's not like a big shift from yes. um, the lifestyle that that i could afford before and like what's available to mm -hmm. me right now the way i like to look at that is almost like a bucket approach yeah. So, so in your life, you have various needs, and the, I approach it from the point of view from that you, it, whatever you do has to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. So we've got this forty-year time horizon that we have to achieve financial independence in. Yeah. That we no longer have to use our human capital to earn money, and in the short term, we have certain other things. We can have crises that we can that we can be retrenched mm -hmm. or have some type of medical emergency or calamity, a funeral yeah. in the family, a car breaking down, something happening in, in, with your with your apartment, mm -hmm. and you have to have money available to to take care of you through that that upside down time. Mm -hmm. So so we all have these different bucketed needs. So I like to say that there's certain things that are critical. I call them critical success factors in mm -hmm. each person's financial life. And those critical success factors are from an investment point of view. So the first critical success factor we have 
is your risk strategy. Okay. Remember, we're saying that in the early years, your human capital is your biggest asset. For sure. So this human, this asset. So if you were a farmer and you had a tree that was giving fruit, that was feeding your entire family mm -hmm. and and all your your workers on the farm, would you not really look after that tree? Yeah, for you're sure. Definitely going to nurture that tree. Yeah. Would you insure that tree if you could? You definitely would, would because yeah. if that tree burns down, everything's gone. Now, in each of our lives, our human capital is like that tree because everything that we're going to achieve in life is with locked within our human capital. So one of the mm. first things we need to have in place is we need to protect that human capital because if something happens to our health or we, or we get injured or something of that nature and we yeah. lose the ability to use that human capital, then, we, then we, we, we're back to ground zero and who's going to look after true. us? So we have to have a risk strategy for that. The next thing that we, in order of priority, in my in my opinion, is the emergency fund. Okay. So, the, but the, everybody's emergency fund should be strong enough to carry them for at least six months. But you know, we always used to say three to six months. After COVID, I'm saying maybe twelve months. <laughs> yeah. Because, which is because fair. you can see what can happen in yeah, the world. So so true. you need to have this this emergency fund to take you to take you through crises from yeah. retrenchment to downturns in the economy to illness whatever it may be and then and then after that the third priority is we need to start providing for our retirement okay. so why do i say retirement is more important than buying a house starting our kids educational fund is that this is all of those things can be postponed for a year or two but retirement cannot be postponed because that's that's it's the coming. clock sticking. Yeah, it's the light at the end of the tunnel, and if you're not if you don't plan properly, it's not a light; it's a train. So, <laughs> yeah, that's so, very true. So, 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 that's the third priority. Then you look at other th individual things. Um, if you have kids by then, then you want to start funding for for their tertiary education mm -hmm. or even their secondary education. If you want to buy a fixed property, you want to start funding towards the property. But it's critical that all of that happens within each individual's financial context because yeah. if your lifestyle again is so big that it takes you 20 years just to, to, to gather enough in your emergency fund then you're not going to have enough money time yeah. to save for your retirement. It's like a domino effect. It's a, it's a domino effect. So yeah. the, the, in, the initial thing that needs to be right is the, is the, is the picture and the picture must tie in with, your, with, with the income that's coming from your human capital. For sure. So my my next question is based off of like your understanding and experience obviously but also just different scenarios that may sort of like shift the way the person spends or the way the person perceives their financial uh, capabilities in a sense like for instance um, you're getting young professionals who are coming from um, somewhat disadvantaged backgrounds and it's a matter of like trying to sustain their own lifestyle but also having to consistently send money back home Yep. Um, so that may make their financial context or uh, what they see as like their potential spending power very limited based off of like the perceived or maybe like the responsibilities that may have that they may have like that is somewhat like imminent in that sense. Mm -hmm. So understanding like that kind of perspective and then also understanding like somebody who may be an entrepreneur or a freelancer but not doesn't necessarily have the financial understanding of this is how much I should probably be spending on like rent and utilities and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But also, I'm also not in a permanent position where I'm constantly getting money from a 
one source um, mm-hmm. consistently. So it's like, how would you advise people coming from like those kinds of contexts in terms of like how to make uh, better financial decisions, whether it's budgeting mm-hmm. or other means, mm-hmm. but also giving them a perspective of um, this is sort of like the bare minimum that you should take into context as to like maybe saving 10% of mm-hmm. your um, monthly source of income and then using that to sort of like fund your dam and um, sort of like sustain your river at the same time. Okay, let's let's almost deal with that and we say we have two individuals. Yeah. Okay. Uh, individual A is the, is the person who's graduated and they're going into corporate. Yes. And they've got a salary. And, uh, and let's say both of those individuals had the same family circumstances and backgrounds that they had to send money home. Yes. Or they had to provide for, for because their parents was probably sacrificed mm-hmm. for them to put them through their education to get them to where they are now. So the, the first person has to make very, be very careful that he lives a lifestyle within his means. It's very important. Very true. And the reason for... Is so, so he's got to make sure that he's, that he's, it's, he's got certain necessities. Yeah. So it's like the nice to have and the need to have. So he needs to support his family. Mm-hmm. He needs to have a roof over his head. He needs to be able to get to work. He needs medical care. And he needs to start providing for his retirement. And all of that needs to be within a certain means. Yeah. The individual B has is different to individual A because he's the entrepreneur. So he's yeah. somebody like you who's who, who defines your own income. This comes with risk and a lot more stress than the guy in corporate. Very true. Yeah. But uh, but the great thing about that person is that he can in in through his own innovation and vision he can start defining his own income eventually. That's very true. So because because there's no ceiling, he defines his own ceiling. So. That person has a, will have to do. They'll both have to do exactly the same, but there'll be slight ch- twists and changes okay. in both of those scenarios. So, let's, so person A needs to. If we assume that that person is young, coming out of university, just yeah. graduated, and they say, let's say the average person graduates at like twenty-two to twenty-five. Let's say twenty-five, that you've got your honours and you start you start in your final mm-hmm. career or you know serious career. Then you need to, at that point, start by putting away about 15% of your income okay. just to have enough money to retire. Never mind all the other things. So you, you, if that same person waited five years before they, before they planned for the retirement, then they'd have to must probably put in about 22 23%. If they mm-hmm. waited for another five years, yeah. they'd have to put in 30%. So there's this critical need that everybody, according to their circumstances, has to have their risk strategy in place. They have to start funding for the retirement, and then and then. But the the nuances between those two individuals, the person who is self-employed, he has a greater risk that his income is going to is going to fluctuate. For sure. And because of that, his emergency fund needs to be stronger. Yeah. And he needs so he maybe needs to have 12 to 18 months worth of reserve before he starts looking very seriously at, at buying properties and other things. Yeah. But both of them, just because of the effect of compounding, will need to need to start retire, funding for the retirement as soon as possible. The biggest problem is avoiding the issue and procrastination. So most people procrastinate the issue of retirement It'll come. and they wait too long. It's going to yeah. come, well, I'm really going to make a lot of money when I'm 35. Well, really, I'm going to make a lot of money when I'm 45. And yeah. inevitably, it doesn't happen. 
So from Rand 1, when you earn every Rand, so much must go to that, to the retirement bucket, so much go to the emergency fund. Sometimes we have this need. So let's start with individual A. He starts earning a salary and he's busy with a, with a um, internship. Okay. So he's not earning that much money yet. But yeah. he knows that if he follows his career trajectory, then in the next five years, he's going to be earning a lot more. So he can then say, okay, fine. In this list, this bucket list, I need what's critical. I need I'm, priority number one is my risk strategy. Priority number two is my emergency fund. Priority mm-hmm. number three is my retirement fund. Priority number four is providing for my house, etc. And then I say, okay, fine. At the moment, I have only enough money to to start with my my risk strategy and my emergency fund yeah. and I still got to support my mom and dad and put my younger brother through, through college or whatever yeah. it may be. So then they start with that but then the minute their income goes up they have to then fund those next things and, and that takes a lot of discipline because that person has to then delay gratification. That's and the exactly world the world yeah. dictates to us this instant gratification yeah. and this this almost thought of in, like an entitlement that I am the doctor, so I need to have that car, I yeah. need to have that because all my, my, my peer group has it. So, so it's really important that everybody plans well within their circumstances. That's very true. And in that sense, it's, it's almost like um, sort of like a, a, an initial phase or moment that a lot of young professionals go through that I've paid my dues and now that I'm making more money it's time to enjoy it but mm. that may result in them um, being sort of like I don't know reluctant to continue the habits and discipline that they probably built when they yeah. had less in that yeah I think what the problem with that is that a lot of people especially you know, these financial habits that we got in this financial mm-hmm. context comes predominantly from, uh, you know, by the time you're seven or eight years old, your financial context is already formed. Really? Because you yeah. learn, you, you, your financial context is learned from, in, in, in our brains, we've got the, our primitive brain mm-hmm. right at the base of the skull. And this skull, at that, in, in, in that, we, we see things happening in the world and we learn our financial context yeah. as well as two things in life, the way we deal with money and the way we parent has actually been imprinted in us by the time we're like eight to 10 because that we've learned sense. that from mirroring our environment. Mm-hmm. So who were these early people that we mirrored? They were our parents yeah. and the social environment that, that, that extended family that we were exposed to. So we mirrored how they worked with money, money how they thought about money, how they parented us and we tend to to take over those same habits, same mm-hmm. habits in our lives, and because of that, it 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 can be very limiting, because we don't because now we 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 got taught a certain way of thinking and we carry on with that in our lives. Yeah, which can be difficult for some people based on whatever circumstances they may be coming Correct. from, and I think and and linked to that, if I may, sorry for yeah, yeah, interjecting no, no, there, but I, I really think this is important. So, in in our brains. We, we have the, what the, the way we see the world okay. and then in the back of our brains we have something called our RAS, our reticular activation system. Now it's your, each individual's reticular activation system's job, it's a survival instinct, it's yeah. part of our biology, to scan the environment to look for things that are true to your values. Okay. So in other words, if I think um, 
money is bad or money is evil or rich people are corrupt mm-hmm. or it's okay to do do something or be something to protect myself image and my, my vision of self my res is going to scout the environment it's going to delete things yeah that aren't true to me and it's going to hone in on things that are true to me to affirm my bias that's very true so 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 if you can't change the first thing with changing financial context is you have to realize that you've got one For sure. then you have to realize that if you're not happy with yours you can be changed mm-hmm. and then there's ways of changing it by reading speaking to 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 people who've got a greater f- uh, context um mm-hmm. asking people to mentor and and guide you hanging around with a circle of friends who have a greater financial context than you because you're going to grow with them yeah because all of those things limit our financial context because like you mentioned in the book it's about like being able to mirror the people around you and you always want to be around somebody who has a better financial context than you do you have to and i think that's one thing that's sort of like not necessarily maybe lost but maybe sort of like withering away that people not seeing the value of having a mentor or being around sort of like people who could guide them to making better decisions or maybe even point them in the right direction when it comes to um if you want to invest in a property this is how you get started Mm. if you want to put money away for a specific outcome then this is how you do it it's always based off of like we're in close proximity and these are the decisions that I think are sort of like important to me just based off of my friend has a nice car, my friend has a nice apartment. Um, we don't necessarily talk much about money because we don't like either of us don't necessarily understand it. And none of us have the mindset to put it in a vehicle where it will work in our favor at a later point in time. And like you mentioned earlier about like, even if it's like 10 to 17% of like your initial income, being able to stay disciplined that as soon as you get paid, that money's like sort of like removed from your account. Mm. So you don't necessarily have the urge or the mm. ability to, to use it at your own disposal because you get those people that are like, well, I see the money in my account and I'll put it away in a vehicle at some point in time. But it's like, as soon as you keep on spending, as soon as you make sort of like, unexpected or impulsive uh, purchases then it makes it all the much more difficult to build those necessary habits that allow you to continue that even after the fact that you're making more money or you're in a better uh, professional setting in that sense you're right and linked to that is the fact that that your human your your financial context has been set in Mm -hmm. your mind and your community one of the biggest needs that we all have is the, is to fit in to belong yeah so if you go back to your school days and we, you were talking earlier about your school days mm-hmm. um then you had different cliques you had the soccer players the rugby players the cricketers yeah. the athlete athletes and then we had the guys that you had the non-athletes and you and you had the nerds who were like straight a students yeah and each one of them formed a clique and and as human beings we have this innate weird ability that we think that somebody, so the, the nerds think that the other guys are stupid, the, mm. the, 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 the lazy guys think that the nerds are nerds and they like don't have any personalities. Yeah. The jocks who maybe the rugby players and the soccer players think that the other guys are weaklings. So we all tend to to find things to affirm who we are That's very and true. we shoot down those who are above and below us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and financial context is just like that. So if you, I always give a, like, a nice example. So if you, 
if in South Africa it's easy for us to understand. So if you look at the guy who unfortunately is homeless and he's and he's begging at the at the traffic light. Yeah. For him, any guy with a car is wealthy. That's very true. For the guy with an entry level car, the guy, somebody who's driving like the nice BMW is is wealthy. For the guy driving the nice BMW, somebody's driving the Lamborghini is wealthy. Mm-hmm. And so it goes up. It, or, the only thing is different if there were ladders, it's different rungs on the ladder, but they're basically the same people. And everybody needs to realize that they can also achieve the Lamborghini. For sure. They just got to know why. So sometimes it's about dealing, working well with the money that you've got. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's about maybe investing first in improving the value of your human capital, in, in, getting another degree yeah. or getting some type of qualification going on and reading books, going on courses, online courses on entrepreneurship, whatever it may be, to upskill yourself to earn more money. So there's lots of different things, but the greatest way to achieve something if you haven't got it is to to go to somebody who's already got it. And that's where you're saying that it's something that's fallen away from in life. And often people say to me, but who's going to mentor me? Who's who's going to do this for me? And, And because... It's also people, we have this context to think that people who are more successful than us or wealthier than us don't want us or they look down upon us or or they're selfish or they're greedy and they're not going to help us. But yeah. truly successful people aren't like that. So there, are, there are minorities of, of wealthy and successful people who are like that. But I would say the majority of successful people who reach to a point where they in life where they realize that it's they've got to give back, Mm -hmm. that they want to mentor people, they want to teach people and and guide them and coach them because they they that's this it's there's so much reward that comes from doing that to other people. It's like it's paying it forward. That's also what I was what I was referring to earlier when I spoke about each one of us who have the we have been blessed with success and wealth in this country and and qualifications mm-hmm. we need to do well with what we've got so that we can also mentor and encourage others and be a beacon to them they can see oh, it can be done yeah it's not limiting I don't have to stay where I was I don't have to stay where my parents were I can improve it I don't it's not about what the media says it's not about what the politicians say it's about mm-hmm. what I decide my life's going to be that's very true so as we close this up for the next five minutes i want to reflect on what you call the four pillars of good health and sort of like how your faith played into um, not only the community that you have but sort of like the decisions that you've made along the way when it comes to teaching people about making better financial decisions but also how taking care of yourself is as big of a role as you know going to work and making those sacrifices and stuff like that so the this human capital that we've all got mm-hmm. is coming from we always just think about the ability and the ability to earn money yeah but this human capital is actually everything and the the way we look the human capital is housed in our bodies and our bodies con- are made up of a lot of different things so we've For got sure. our minds we've got our physical bodies our health if we have this ability to earn a lot of money but we neglect the, the body or the temple yeah as the Bible refers to it then then we're not going to two things are going to happen we this where we maybe had a 40 year shelf life for our human capital it may come down to 30 or mm-hmm. 20 if we really abuse it yeah and number one number two what purpose does it serve if we earn a lot of money get everything right in our financial da- in our dams and have this great pool of money set up for us 
and we retire and we die after three years because we because we neglected our health. So, uh, so this yeah. the health is critical to everything, mm -hmm. um, and that's the looking after this this human capital. Yeah. So the way that we eat, we sleep, we exercise, what we bring into our body, um, the way we look after our minds, time spent on spirituality, on on meditation or renewing your mind, yeah. becoming self-aware, all of those things increase the value of the human capital. It's not just about the work and the money and the career and the businesses. It's mm -hmm. about this vessel that we have is is critical to everything, to to the to the ability to use the human capital mm -hmm. and the ability to enjoy the human capital. I agree. And with with everything that you've said, it goes back to people realizing the importance of being able to take care of themselves when it comes to the dietary uh, decisions that they make. How often do you exercise? Mm -hmm. Because people tend to forget that the healthier you feel physically translates to how you feel healthier mentally in that sense. You're Absolutely. more aware, you show up consistently. And in some sense, there's that sense of like reward or euphoria that comes with like getting in a good workout or making the effort to be physically mobile that results in you wanting more out of your own personal life or the yeah. decisions that you make because you don't want to do acts that are counterintuitive to exactly what you want to achieve at some point yeah. in time. So understanding like the pillars that you've mentioned and how that translates to people living a holistically healthier life. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, just to close us off, say more about like how your faith like influenced um, your decisions and how you may see that um, change people's decisions when it comes to their, uh, whether it's like a client or people that may not necessarily. Um, that's so, yeah. so that's so important, which means so. The thing, the this, my faith, um, shown me in life that that everybody and I'm I've just got this utter conviction for all of us mm -hmm. that each one of us was born for a specific reason. For sure. I'm uh, just, uh, just reading now and I heard the uh, interview the other day with Simon Sinek and Brene Brown on his new book called yes. The Infinite Game. It's yeah. a must read. So, so we're living this infinite game and within that we've been put here for a very specific reason. I believe what, what my faith teaches me that, that we, when I was in my mother's womb, before mm -hmm. I was even in my mother's womb, my, my life was mapped out before me. And my challenge is once I was born, one, my challenge was, and each one of us challenges in our lives is to find out why we were born mm -hmm. so that we can live our true potential. And then while we're in this life and when it, and spirituality and the faith when it comes to money is also linked to your attitude of money. For sure. I think true, true people of faith and, and not just Christianity, any, all faiths. Mm -hmm. If I just take people that I know, but clients are from all from all faith backgrounds, yeah. is that, that truly successful people have this generous heart of giving. So they give back to, to other people. And that, that engenders the, the spirit of abundance. And through abundance, you get more abundance. So, so it's critical for all of us to, to not just think that our money is for ourselves because we firstly we put in, in here for a very specific reason. If I'm earning a lot of money, and I'm blessed that I know that and I can earn that money. It doesn't make me special. It mm -hmm. just makes the fact that I was 
that I was given this huge responsibility yeah. because I was with this blessing. With each blessing comes and each power and each ability comes a responsibility. So our responsibility through the way we can earn, employ our human capital, earn money, is to give back. That's very true. And if doing that just changes your attitude in life because it's not just about me. It's not about the next car or the house or the cell phone or the holiday. Yes, it's if if you get these right and you and you and you study people that are generally genuinely successful mm-hmm. and have this abundant mentality, they have all of those things in any case, but they're not stressed about it. Mm. Nobody, I remember reading this once, is that nobody who ever lived their passion died poor. That's Even somebody funny. like Mother Teresa and Nelson Mandela, these people who lived this altruistic purpose in life to serve others, they never wanted for anything. That's very true. So, so, and that ties into faith because that why that we each have, that purpose that we were born with, if we achieve that, then all the money, these things must come into alignment with that. And linked to that is that we're going to then serve our purpose in the world. We're going to give back to the world. And, and in that, we're going to plant more seeds. I, I couldn't agree more. So just to close it off, I'll just mention the five points that for me have remained prominent since reading the book. And obviously through this conversation is uh, people starting with the vision, um, people taking stock, like you mentioned, deciding to change, which is almost like everything. Mm-hmm. Investing in your success, so making the right moves in order to position yourself to succeed in whatever that you want to pursue and preparing for how you want to feel once you get to that moment. And last but not least, mirroring the right people. Surrounding yourself with people that want to see you succeed, that want to see you go beyond your initial circumstances and gravitate towards not only such a giving spirit, but do, uh, do for others what you wanted to be done for you at some point in time in your life. So thank you so much for making Thanks. time for us. Thanks for, for speaking.